Hello and welcome to another edition of Storytelling on Orchard Street. I'm your host Pete Salamedia, and we're in the broadcast studios of PT Knitwear Bookstore, 180 Orchard Street. It's a great bookstore, plenty to choose from, genres of all types, a cafe, and uh, some great events. Uh, with me in the studio today is Charles William Lane. Charles is a native of Florida. He's a New York-based television producer, writer, and director, working mostly in the true crime genre. He has produced programming for ABC, CBS, NBC, Investigation Discovery, CNN, and The Oxygen Channel. He has also an extensive background in theater and music, which he draws from in his writing. Charles recently wrote and directed his debut short film, We Are the Apocalypse. Welcome to the studio, Charles. Thank you for having me, Pete. It's a, it's a pleasure. So uh, I always like to give uh, people background, um, how we met for one thing, uh, which was probably in, I guess, 86. I was working at Green World Distribution. Uh, it was uh, distributed Enigma Records, independent labels, and, um, and pressings from other countries. And uh, at the time, you were married to Holly Lane, who I uh, got to hire at some point. So that's how we, we met. And yeah. uh, so it's a long time ago. I guess we lost uh, touch with each other, probably late 80s somewhere. I left Green World, and then they went out of business anyhow. So, so then. <laughs> but <laughs> we recently reconnected because I went to see, well, on Facebook first, like a lot of people do, and then your uh, film. I went to see your film uh, at the uh, Museum of uh, Moving Image, and I really enjoyed it. It's great to see you there. But uh, we're going to go uh, talk about that in a little while, but let's just give a little background to who Charles William Lane is. So you grew up in Florida. and uh... um, Yes and no. Okay. I, I was born in Daytona Beach. Right. My parents were New Yorkers oh, uh, okay. who moved uh, to Florida when my father came back from World War II. I see. Uh, my brother were they sister, married already? Uh, yeah. Okay. And my brother and sister were born at that time, right. I came much later. I see. Um, I was born in Daytona. Right. When I was six, we moved to Brooklyn. Oh, okay. So I went I... most of elementary school in Brooklyn, cool. and then we moved back to Daytona for uh-huh. when I started seventh grade. Why did they and move back? My father had a stroke. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. They knew they wanted warm weather again. Right, and, sure. Uh, and most of my, my mother's family was in Florida. Okay. So they're, my family are... More than me, my brother and sister are longtime Floridians. Nice. Okay, um, I see. And, you know, it's still home, but right. I've been here a long time. <laughs> right. Uh, so, um, you, but, so you spent a lot of time there, though, even though you were in Brooklyn, too. Yeah. Um, did you leave Florida to go to school, college, or did you leave it to... I mean, I know it's, I met you, obviously, in New York City. Yeah, I actually... Um, I started college at Florida State, uh, and I decided to major in theater. I had never uh-huh. done theater okay. before. Right. Um, and then uh, through that, I went to London on a foreign study program, fell in love with London, moved there, wound up living there illegally for like almost three years. Oh, wow. See, I didn't know this about you. And then I moved back to Orlando. Right. My whole family has relocated to Orlando. Okay. And that's where I, I met my ex-wife in a right. in a record store okay and i said i i can't stay in florida so right. i couldn't move i was actually um 86 from england at the time okay uh so i moved 
we moved to New York. So you were you and Holly were already married at that we, point. We got married right before we moved to New York. Right. We were very young. Okay. <laughs> right. And uh, so I guess when I uh, when I hired Holly, uh, you were just married, a recent yeah. marriage. Yeah. It's funny. Some things stand out. Um, that time period for me, working with Don and Holly, was just great. It's too bad that uh, the business uh, kind of went down the tubes because we had such a great time working with each other. I can remember hiring Don and Holly, both like what it was like, you know. I mean, Don definitely needed, but Holly um, basically made a job for her <laughs> yeah. because she had a great energy and she really loved the music business. So I, I, you were working at Tower at that point, I, right? I did, yeah. So I, I, didn't, I knew the music part of you. I didn't realize you had the theater background. Uh, I did, and I, I gave that up. And then years later, uh, in the early 90s, I went back and studied theater again. Okay. Uh, I was an actor for a while, and then I said, I think I would be a better director. Okay. Um, so I, went, I actually went back to school and got my master's uh, in, um, in film. Wow, okay. Uh, this is really interesting. Is, That's cool. And, and uh, I'll, I'll be quick uh -huh. in this. Um, the first year I was out of grad school, I could not get a job in, in television because I did an internship during grad school, and it was in uh, you know, nonfiction television. So that's where the contacts were. Right. Um, so I, I took a job as the assistant general manager of the Blue Note, the jazz club. Oh, okay. Ran that for a year. Right. Wound up working there very part-time for 11 years. Oh, all right. Um, and then I started and working And what did you television. do at the Blue Note? I was the assistant GM, and then I was just a manager. I managed, like, um, brunch, Sunday brunches. Okay. Um, right. So I have you, a long history with the Blue Note. Oh, you must have seen some unbelievable music. And I used to walk Dave Brubeck on stage, wow. and, and McCoy Tyner <sighs> was an in-house artist. Right. So I spent a lot of time with him. He's a giant. Yeah. Wow. Um, so it, it, I, I don't want to waste time on this, but well, it's not waste. It's I never ever listened to to fusion. Right. Um, and, and never really listened to Prague. Uh -huh. After working at Blue Note and working with artists like Steve Lukather and, uh -huh. and Robin Ford and Larry Carlton, and I have tons of fusion now right. okay. and right. tons of Prague rock. Because right. right. <laughs> so, Prague rock's just fusion with fairies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I had a period where I was listening to Prague rock. I mean, I guess the greatest example would be Rick Wakeman's Journey to the Center of the Earth. <laughs> I own the CD now. Yeah, I had yeah. it when, we, when I was growing up, when it came out. Strobs, that was fun. So I, I, we're going to do a little game later, if I have time. <laughs> I'm going to name musicians and, and get your take on it. Okay. But there's so much to unravel. And, of course, we're going to get to your film. Um, so how did you, talk about the, the genre, the true crime genre like by the way the reason you're on the show besides the fact that it's, it's fun to talk to an old friend uh the show started out um really mostly poetry and writers but i called it storytelling on orchard street because i wanted to have different ways of telling a story so i didn't want to just pigeonhole it to you know um, I, I do poetry i write and you know that and read poetry mm -hmm. and uh, i thought it's a good chance to give other poets and writers a chance but I also had uh, somebody who directs plays uh, last a uh, few months ago, and um, a storyteller, <laughs> and so my and musicians. So the idea is it's open to anybody who tells a story, right? So true uh, crime genre. That's definitely telling a story. It is, and the thing about true crime um, is that in in television, I didn't start out in true crime. I right. started out actually. My first. Uh, gig, full-time gig, was doing bios for A&E, like 
Motley Crue and Vanilla Ice. Oh, wow. And, and <laughs> well, that must have been fun on some levels. <laughs> it, yeah, it was. Yeah. But, um, and then, then, then I did a, a show called Caught on Camera for, um, for Peacock, which was okay. NBC. Right. And then I, I was just hired to do a true crime show, and I did it well mm-hmm. because I know, I just have a history of knowing a lot a lot about serial killers, <laughs> okay. and I know how to reach out to people. I know right. how to talk to people right. well, and it's not that's not an easy genre to work in. No, I believe that. So once yeah. you're pigeonholed, right. people stop. You know, no one called me for food shows. Right. Sure, just, I get it. They just right. called me for true crime. Right. Um, and after a while, it's it's difficult because right. it's you know you're 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 very often you're asking parents of someone who was murdered to talk about. Again, right? Not oh, even, God. not even the first time. Right. Again, right? Or again, again. Right. Sure. Or again. Right. And, um, and 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 at that, at some point, they just don't want to talk about it. They anymore. don't. And sometimes they need to. Right. You know, it's people a, yeah. need to talk, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's an interesting genre of nonfiction television. I'm very happy now. I, I work again at CNN, and I'm doing a show on tornadoes, and then a show on. Uh, show called How It Really Happened. Right. Uh, and the first thing is going to be on a, a famous art heist. Okay. Um, so... Well, a, a lot less heartbreak. A lot, well, not so Still, much tornadoes. Well, uh, tornadoes, heartbreak. of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that's dev- but, but that's I'm, devastation. I'm looking forward to the art heist. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but it's in- true crime is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I went to Florida State the year after Ted Bundy was there. Right. So uh, I don't want wow. to date myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But... Uh, that was that was a, a trip. He went to Florida State. No, he oh. killed he killed women at oh. a sorority there. Oh, I, I did, the year I for, before I was forgot there, about that and I had a theater class with two roommates of someone who was almost a victim of his. Wow! So it was a it was it was a lot right, right. back then. And Florida was full of people like Ted Bundy at right. the time. Why is that? Because it's a transient state. Right. People come. Right. Yeah. Right. They come it's easier to hide. Yeah. Right. I had read an article about uh, the perfect job for a serial killer is um, truck driver. There's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. It's right. a lonely job. Right. Uh, and you're you're you go you're on the road right. all the time, so you have to be traced. Right. Um, As, yeah. And As, I could probably name five. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What do you what do you get from that? The the, the serial killer thing. I mean, what's I think it's just psychopathology. Yeah. It's, you know... Um, Did you have to study psychology to, uh, at all to do this? No. Or? No, okay. No, no, no. Right. Um, but do you, I, did you get into that part of it or at all? Or no? you, Well, you do. Right. It depends on the show you're doing. Right. You do. Um, but it, it's, it's hard to... Unless you're going to do an expose, unless you're, or you're going to do a series on someone, right. like they have done, you know, the Bundy tapes, right. where it's a whole series, it's hard to get into that kind of psychopathology in an hour, right? Uh, because, because very often, you, you, no one knows, right. no one knows what was going on with Ted Bundy. Right. I keep using him as an example because right. he's an extreme example. Right. Um, but but uh, America especially in the 70s, uh-huh. I'm not quite sure why, um, it, it, it was like a breeding ground, I think, for serial killers because there's so much land. Uh-huh. 
Right. You know, there, there, there's a famous serial killer now from a few years ago named Israel Keys, and he was from northern Washington, but lived in Alaska and killed people like in upstate New York. He hid murder kits all over the country. He wow. buried them right. and would case out places, case out like a family. When you say murder kit, what's in a murder kit? Like, like, duct, like duct tape and... Duct tape, uh, knives. Right you know, uh, uh, rope, right. everything, right. and bury it near places, right. near places, and then come back. Uh-huh. And, you know, and they don't know, he, he killed himself in prison, uh-huh. uh, and they don't know how many people he killed. Uh-huh. But, you know, it was just because there's so much expanse of land. Right. You know, that's, yeah. what, that's what allowed somebody like him, someone like Ted Bundy, the truck drivers, right. to, to do that. Also, there was, a, you know, I guess it must be harder to do it now in some ways uh, because of technology, right? Um, there's cameras everywhere. Uh, sure. Uh, I hope. Right, right. <laughs> I hope. Right. But then people are detached a lot in a lot of ways, too. So I don't know if that's a breeding ground for it or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you don't have community like you used to. Right. Um, the community, now communities are all right. online. Right. Um, so I guess it's kind of like an actor who gets, uh, you know, a, a part, in a part and then, you know, it gets associated with that part and then always gets asked to do that. Were, were you frustrated by that or just glad you were working? You, yeah, it's a little of both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it... it it um, it doesn't inform my writing, right? Because I I I know I I in my life I've read a lot of crime mm-hmm. uh, literature anyway, right. right? True and and fiction, right? Um, you know a lot of the famous like Ross McDonald and right. uh, what's his name Marlo uh, Chandler. Uh, so I know. I know the fictional and I know the real. Right. Um, yeah, it, it it gets frustrating as a life. Right. Because you know, very often you have to you have to go in and produce, mm-hmm. um, and then you have to go on the road and interview people. Right. And you know, interview people who have been. Uh, I, I interviewed a. Uh, I didn't. We had a correspondent, but I went there. I'm the one who set up the shoot, and I went. Uh, an attorney who basically saved the city council. This man killed like six people. Mm-hmm. Just walked into a council meeting and started right. shooting people. Wow. He was angry. It was about it was about land and right. um, and this this attorney basically saved the rest of them by drawing him away from them. Wow. And it, it, when I did the show, it was like five. Did he years. get shot? No, he didn't get shot. Uh, the the perpetrator was killed by the police. Okay, thankfully, because wow. so he's he was a hero, just, yeah. um, and he needs to talk about it. Right, and he has been. This happened in like 2010, so uh-huh. it's been a while. Right, he's been talking about it since. Right, other people wouldn't talk to me. Right, they're still too traumatized. Yeah, so it just you know it, everybody's different. Yeah, how they respond. So to I had it. a wonderful right. time with him, right. and we stayed. We've still stayed in touch. Right, like six years later. Because we developed a good relationship. What, what's harder, talking to the the victims, uh, family and friends, or the the um, perpetrator? We never talk to the perpetrator. To, to their I've, family. I've, I've never. Well, I've never. Um, the only time you talk to the oh the perpetrator's family. Yes. Um, right. They yeah. rarely talk. Right. Too, they, emba- they, too ashamed or. Or or 
yeah, or they still think they're innocent right. and want them at, you know. Wow. The, very often when you're, when you're doing these stories, um, there might still be appeals. Wow, and okay. You can get shut down because right. suddenly there's a new appeal. Right. If people are on, especially if they're on death row or uh, you know, sure, that's life true. with these, parole. These stories don't always end. When, no, with they, the, they, and it can pop out of nowhere. Right, um, right. But Wow. Yeah, it's, it's fairly So intense. how long have you been doing this? Uh, I, I started, well, I graduated grad school in 07, and I started in television maybe in 08. Right. And so I've been doing true crime maybe since 2010, right. 11. Yeah. Okay. Um, you said um, when you write, so are you writing for the, the, the shows? No, I refuse. Or are you writing something? Okay. I refuse to write. Right. For, so for, I, I know you wrote um, the, the movie we're going to talk about, the film. Yeah. Uh, have you written other things? Yeah, I have, I have a feature that I wrote. Um, I, uh, because I was going to write, we were talking before about uh, novelists. Mm -hmm. I was going to write a novel. Oh. I, I, I'm, I, I read a lot. Right, yeah. <laughs> a lot of novelists and a lot of, a lot of literature. And right. uh, that sounds stupid. But um, I was going to write a novel. And then I just said, I, between work and everything that was going on, I don't know if that's the direction I want to go. So I said, let me see if I can write a feature right. script instead of a short. I don't know why I started with sure. a feature. Right. And so I wrote a feature. I finished it about six years ago. What was it about? Oh, that's, that'll take us the whole thing. <laughs> uh, it's, about, it's about three women uh, in New York, but it could be any any large city, right. um, uh, three women and their different approaches to motherhood mm -hmm. and their different relationships to motherhood. And all three of them come in contact with this shadowy rogue detective who upends their lives. And they all their, three of their lives intersect okay. uh, until you're not sure if the, the middle story is the main story. The, the, the script is called Identification, Laura Bracken, mm -hmm. and it's really about this middle-aged woman trying to find her own identity. Okay. And her, her psyche splits into three people. Right. So yeah. you wrote that before We Are the Apocalypse. I did. Um, is there a reason why you switched gears to that? To we, yeah, because, uh, because using, I found out, um, when I wrote uh, Identification, Laura Bracken, the first thing I did was send it to Sundance. Okay. And it got... It just made the, the script, just in, the script. Yeah, okay. it made the second round into their uh, lab. So they have Screen, like a, scri a script they have lab. They a screenwriting okay. lab. Right, okay. So with, with their lab, uh, I think it's May 5th, uh, you send them, you know, an artistic statement, all this stuff, and you send the first five pages of your screenplay. Mm -hmm. By August something, you get notified if you've made the second round. Okay. When you get notified, you have two weeks to send in the entire script right. to see if you made it into the okay. second round to get into the lab. I didn't make the second round with the script. It was my first script. Right. I'm like, fantastic. Uh -huh. So then you start sending the script around right. you know, to agents, to festivals. Right. I won like five festivals. I went to London, one, you know, one fest, and couldn't get any uh, interest in producing right. it. So I said, well, let me try a different tack. Mm -hmm. I'll write a short right. and self-fund it. And that's what I did. Right. Um, and now I'm trying to get 
people interested in funding another short or a proof of project. No chance to, to go back to the other one? You, you, have you given up on that one? Oh, that's, that's on. There, there are websites that you put it on uh-huh. where producers troll. And when I go to festivals, I, I hand that out as well. Oh, okay. So you're still and, trying. You still yeah. hope, there's still yeah. hope for, yeah. for doing it. And I'm writing yeah. another feature that it's, it's not a sequel, but it features the mother and daughter of the first script. Oh, in, okay. And it's about art forgery. Huh. And it's... Right, it's even more of a psychological thriller than the first. It movie. was an exciting movie. Why don't you explain to, uh, to the listeners or viewers um, uh, we about have the, the apocalypse? Yeah. Um, well, I, by the way, you gave me this great T-shirt, so let me hold that up for the camera. <laughs> Can't wait to wear it. And if you if you love the T-shirt, there we go. It's on sale on my film website. Oh, cool. Oh, so. well, yeah. Make sure uh, give the. Uh, Information yeah, about, I, so people can look at look you up. Yeah, the film. I don't have a, a a filmmaker website yet, but I have a website for for We Are the Apocalypse, and it's We Are the Apocalypse at info, okay. um, and we we have a. My wife made the website. And she nice. Has a store on there. Oh, the t-shirts. Cool. So, um, it, it We Are the Apocalypse is it's, it's about I could I could be very. Um, it's a bit cliched. It's about toxic masculinity. It's about it's about the um, it's about generational generational gap mm-hmm. uh, and people between, screwing each other out. <laughs> people screwing each other. <laughs> people definitely screwing each other over. Right. Uh, but it's it's about it's about an older the the um, the the uh, protagonist, if you would call him a protagonist, Dr. His name's uh, Davis Runnaker. Uh, he's a a no one, somebody that I I met many times over the years. He's an he was an ex art critic. He was a painter who never made it. Uh, so he was a teacher, an art critic, you know, an art um, a writer, mm-hmm. and uh, he's middle aged, older middle aged. Mm-hmm. And he, he's been going to this young woman uh, for massages, right. so to speak. Right. Um, she has a lot of issues. And she's part of a, uh, a group called IFAC. Uh, I never remember what, what it stands for. <laughs> International uh, Freedom Anarchical Coalition. Is there something actually, does that exist? Oh, no. Okay, it's I totally made up, made up right? <laughs> Um, well, I grew up, and, and you grew up in a time with, like, Symbionese Liberation sure, Army right, and right. The, the, Red, the Red Brigade in Germany, mm-hmm, right. you know, the Bader Meinhof. Uh-huh. So I've always fascinated with groups like that right. and fascinated with, like, Fassbinder films. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did a film, Third Generation, I think, about a group like that. Uh, but I wanted to really take, like, y- a younger generation who were who are groomed on media. Right. Where everything is... It's very topical. You know, it's, right. it's almost yeah. like the... What's his name? Marshall McLuhan. You know, media is the message. Right. Um, and and pit them against Baby Boomer, uh-huh. who uh, doesn't even doesn't even realize his misogyny, his own misogyny. And right. Um, so he's been going to this woman, but she's part of this arts coalition... Who decide they want to? 
they want the, to make a big grand social statement. Right. So the statement is to kidnap a billionaire right. uh, whose name is uh, Donald Runciman, right. based on, you know, who knows, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and hold him for ransom and have him beg for his life across all social media. They're filming the entire thing. And then when they get the money, their goal is to continue this. They're going to blow up Mount Rushmore right. uh, because they've heard. Now, I, he I read an article years ago, and I still haven't confirmed that it's true, right. that behind Lincoln's head at Mount Rushmore, there's a big library with all the plans to, to create Mount Rushmore. Huh. So they're going to fill that with dynamite and blow up Mount Rushmore, therefore destroying, you know, the monument to social greed and, and you know, right. cap rancid capitalism. Okay. Well, they kind and of have a point there, don't they? <laughs> they do. And they're not, they're not, they're not stupid. Right. <laughs> um, they're a little addled. Right. Uh, so anyway, they, they, this young, younger woman is part of their group. And one of their group is, is a sociopath and, called the professor, Robbie, who's uh, a PhD or He's told them he's a PhD. And this, the leader of the group is this woman who lost her daughter uh, to suicide at 12 because of social media. And when she found her, her partner, Phil, she found filmmaking and, you know, it, it gave her a new uh, direction in life. And this is what she wants to do. There's a him. lot. There's a lot. And it was like 15. 15 minutes? No, it's a half an hour. Oh, it is a half yeah, an hour. Yeah, it's okay. too much crammed in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. But so they, they, according to this younger woman, she's been um, sleeping with Donald Runciman. Oh, so they right. kidnap him yeah. to hold for ransom, and when they get him back, they realize that they kidnapped David Runnaker, this <laughs> nobody, and then they have to figure out what to do. Right, and they, right. they don't even realize yet that, that, that she's the one who conned them. Right. She, she wants to put him on trial. Uh -huh. So that's it. And then wow. they, they figure out, so they put him on trial, and I don't really want to give no, away. No, that's, that's enough so, to give away, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, explain the process. Um, well, first of all, I want to ask, what's, so you were the writer and the director, and the, the producer, producer, and then you had to do the marketing afterwards, kind of, right? They had to go to all the festivals. and all. Yeah. So that's like four jobs, at least, yeah. and probably more. Yeah. I, <laughs> what, what's I'm, the hardest part? What's the, the part you like the most? Um, the easiest part is the marketing, because my wife did it. Oh, all right. Let's give uh, her a hand, then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank no, you. No, she didn't. I mean, I, I submitted to festivals, and, right. but she did my website. Sure. She does the posters. Uh -huh. um, well, it's nice to have talent posters. in the family, yeah. Um, my wife always gets involved with all, all the stuff I do. I feel, that was wonderful. I kind of feel bad for her. She, she was like, I'm not letting you pay for that. I'll <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, it's a big process. Yeah. Um, because, and it, one of the things is, it was my first film. Right. So It doesn't I, come across as, as a first film. It really is well done. Thank you. You succeeded. Um, yeah. It, it's just one thing that I knew going into it, but it was very difficult to change course is it's not easy to get a 30-minute film into festivals. It's too long. Oh. Anything over 15, right. 18 minutes for right. short films. Yeah, because the, the festival that I went to, most of them were shorter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yours so, went so fast, I didn't realize it was 30 and minutes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. and, and that, to me, my, my cinematographer has really... My cinematographer and editor right. have gone overboard. I paid them both, but... 
I wouldn't say I paid them because yeah. they've worked way more than this. Right, right. Long after. Right. And my, I, uh, were there people you've worked with before? You knew them? The or? cinematographer I work with in television. Right. And we've become very good friends. Right. So and, it kind uh, of did you half a favor or yeah, more? Or well, more. <laughs> yeah. But he's, right. he's just, you know, he's my co-producer now right. in the credits because... He's just done too much. So you uh, say you financed it yourself. I don't imagine that you had a lot of money to work with. Had you? Because it doesn't come across cost as a fortune. Yeah, I bet. But it's, but but it's not compared to a Hollywood film. No. no so no. How, how do you? How, it, it looks. It doesn't look low budget to me. It didn't come no, across it, like that. Well, how'd you I, do? How'd you pull that off? Because um, I paid a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, I, as I said, it was my first film, and because I've worked. So much in television, I'm used to just saying to, say, my line producer, here, take my credit card, right. because it's a corporate card right. or whatever. Right. And, yeah, I was yeah. saying, here, take my, oh, my no. debit card, <laughs> and then suddenly realizing, oh, I have no yeah. money. Right. Um, and I, I think I hired too many people. Oh. Uh, not too many, but that, that's why it works. Right. Yeah. But I think, you know, the next film, I'm planning on shooting a short like sometime in October, mm-hmm. it's going to be less than half the crew. Okay, and it's going to be much shorter. Right. Were there people that had multiple roles in the in the filming of it, or no? not really? Yeah. And that's the problem. Right. Uh, I I really wanted it, and guess what? I wanted it to go really smoothly, right. and it didn't. Okay. Even with right everyone, because. Film is not smooth. Right. No, I, know, I can't imagine. You have location noise that right. you didn't plan on. You have, right. you know, uh, the, the, the temporary grip that you hired for right. one day because the other guy couldn't do it says, I'll take the van back and runs into another car. Oh, no. And then you that really pay. happens? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. You know, knocks, <laughs> knocks somebody's mirror off. Right, right, right. Or something. I, I don't think people realize what uh, uh, film no, uh, no. people go through. Well, here, here's the thing. I, I'll be very quick. Somebody that I worked with in TV said that they would do the location scouting for mm-hmm. me. Okay. For free. Wow. Yeah, that's a big happen. Help. Oh, so they they dropped out. Right. I had to do it with like two weeks oh, to no. go. So Jesus. I needed the main location was a warehouse. Right. I found a wonderful place in Greenpoint. Mm-hmm. I went never ever go look at a location on a Sunday. Right. I went on a Sunday. Oh, it was because it's quiet. Yep. It was a building with a lot of different uh, oh, spaces. I think I remember you talking the about day <laughs> that we the day that we. The first day we started shooting, we were like, what's that noise? There was a sewing company below us. Oh, my us. God. Oh, jeez. So we almost shut down production. Right. And oh, you I must have been it, freaking out. Yeah. Oh, and, and, God. You know, I feel and, your pain. And then you're fighting with the people who are renting you this space. And it's right. like, you couldn't tell me right. that? Right, you know? right. Yeah, like so you can just, only film at this time, yeah. like at night or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you wound up doing? No, we wound, we wound up just pausing, pausing, oh, asking no. them to stop, asking. Oh, and then um, I thought I was going to have to do ADRs. So it's, you know, basically voiceovers uh-huh. after the fact. Right. With all my actors, mm-hmm. this editor I hired got rid of all the ambient noise. Oh, that's I don't awesome. Know how he did it. Right. Technology. Nobody yeah. said they could. A win for technology. Be, yeah. But no one said it could be done. Where'd, and he did it. Where'd you get the um, actors from? Did um, you know them previously, or you? I put, knew you know, the lead actor. Calls. Uh, I'll, I'll give him a little plug. Pat oh, Skipper. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, he's in everything. Right. He's been in 
Boston Legal. He had a recurring role. He's been, he was Scully's brother in the X-Files. Oh, wow. We were college roommates oh. at Florida State. Okay, so, see, connections. <laughs> like, Little five. could you have known that that would happen no, we were roommates. You, you roommates. No, we were roommates in London, actually. Oh, okay. And we were at Florida State. We were, uh, we were in line of winter together. Huh. On okay, stage. right. And uh, I went to L.A. like five years ago, and we, we had reconnected on Facebook. See, Facebook does have some value. Oh, it's the only value. <laughs> right. And I said, if I shoot a film, and he said, SAG day rate, fly me to New York, right. I'm in. So he did it, and he was great. Uh, what advice would you give other people that, that are looking to do film? Because actually, I, I work with somebody who just did a film. Um, I don't know if he's going to listen to this, but but there were people out there like that. Um, you know, it's it's not easy to get into the business. So um, I would say, if you're young, like really young. Well, he's like in his twenties, late yeah, late twenties. That's young. Yeah, I would say, uh, I would say shoot three films for no money. Right, and make sure you have a good script and decent actors. Right, and just shoot for no money and shoot a short. You know, I right. I would spend a year trying to, if you're going to write yourself, right. trying to figure out how to tell the best story in the least amount of pages. Right. Because it, it's just going to help you in the end. Sure. Um, I had cash in the bank that I, I shouldn't have spent, mm -hmm. but I had it. Right. And then when it was gone, I was like, oh, I don't have oh, it. Oh, wow, wow. But I have my film. Right. And I, I thought, okay, I'm not in my 20s, right. so jumpstart it, right. you know, faster. But that's a, a, like a, a, a real big accomplishment, you know? I thought I, had, yeah. I, I made a big accomplishment by putting a book of poetry out, but this isn't huge. I mean, it's great. I mean, and late, later in life, too. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah it's, it's just a lot of work, and it's a lot of... What, what I don't think people realize, and I say more than I think any other any other of the arts is film just takes a long time. Right. Because when you're finished shooting, the editing takes right. much it's longer. It's not done, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I was, I've been involved with recording music. It's not, it's not as probably as difficult. There, you're not done when you finish the tracks. No, no. <laughs> There's work to be not. done. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of um, a similar idea. You know, and, it, and it's, and you don't realize to what it takes I, I was thinking, because I've gone to festivals. I, mm -hmm. I, I've been to um festival in London. I've been to festival in Marbella, in Spain, in Hollywood. My film played at the Chinese Grauman Theater right. last last uh, September, cool. which is fantastic. Right. Uh, um, but your market, you have to market yourself. Right, you got to be out there. I mean, that's and you yeah, have that, to you have to remember how to dress and how right. to you know. And don't you think like not everybody has all of those qualities? Like it's not that yeah. easy to do that part of it, but also then to be the artist that write it and then to to yeah. be able to direct the actor. That's a lot of things. Yeah. And so, like, okay, so if suddenly somebody said, "Well, you're you're great. Um, I want to hire you for a film." Uh, what role of out of all those would you most want to do? If it was like a, a you didn't have to do them all, like what, what would you drop? If it well, if somebody was hiring me, I would I would say hire me to be a director. Right. Um, but I don't have that much desire to direct other people's right. material, right. unless it's like Tom Stoppard. Right. <laughs> right. You know, or, you're, you're looking yeah. to direct your your, your creative. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And I, I would definitely. 
uh, some, I was just in, in the UK on a little vacation, uh, hanging out with friends, having a wonderful, right. too much fun. <laughs> and uh, I met with these two producers that I had met in Marbella. They're both, one's Irish, one's mm-hmm. English. And the Irish uh, producer was asking me, uh, would you, with your feature, uh, would you give it to someone, would you give it to a woman to direct? Would you, he was just trying to figure out who I was. And right. I said, I'll give it to hermaphrodite. <laughs> you don't care. I, yeah. I couldn't, I don't, right. I don't care. If somebody's interested in my script. Yeah, why would that matter? And keep my name on it. Yeah, no, sure. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, but I also don't want to write what, uh, what someone else wants me to write. Right. Like, it's an interesting career balance to be this age right and think like well I don't want to do that I don't want to do that I don't want to do that right I just want to do this as best I can right and if I can make money that right. would be wonderful sure right and yeah. if I don't right you know. yeah it's not like you know you're in your late 20s and you, you this is your goal for the rest of your life yeah right. yeah and I, I don't want it you know a lot of a lot of things are about um oh getting uh getting a name as a writer so you get hired as a staff writer on the next West Wing. I don't want to do that. Right. Um, so I think we have enough time. So there's a couple of things. I, I usually like to read one of my poems, yeah. so I, I want to do that. But uh, I want to go... So see how much how much time this takes. But, you know, our connection originally was music, I think, mm-hmm. right? I work for a record company. You work for Tower Records. People have no idea what that was like, Tower Records. <laughs> God, remember that? Uh, it's, it's incredible. It was crazy. I, I, I can remember going home with like three or four of those yellow tower record bags <laughs> and dragging them on the subway yeah. with Don't me. Don't forget, I started there with food poisoning on my birthday. Oh, nice. Happy birthday. Like, and, uh, like wow. a week after they opened. Wow. Oh, you, you, were, from, you were right in the beginning? Yeah. I just oh, moved right. to New York. Right. They called me in. Wow. And said, start. That makes sense because it, it was brand new. Yeah. Yeah. What did you feel like when it closed? No the attachment. Old, no, the no. <laughs> yeah. Once I left, I had right. no attachment. But the idea of I that, still like though. buying there. Right, right. I meant the um, idea of that. No. Uh, you, I, well, it bothered me that they all closed. That right. they closed. Virgin closed. Right. HMV, and it it changed the culture. It changed the culture. I know the right. New York culture that I know as an adult. It was all records, man. As records I, and yeah. books. Right. And, you know. As soon as I got money, yeah. <laughs> I was going yeah. to a record store, buying a book all the time. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, do you buy records anymore? I buy I buy CDs. You, you do. Uh, I buy C. I'm not joking, and I hate to say I buy them on Amazon. I also buy them. Tower Records has a website. I know. I saw somebody that. bought right. it. Yeah, yeah. Between Amazon, eBay, Tower Records, and this other site, I probably buy over five CDs a month. Wow, okay. Which is I stopped sick. buying a few years ago. I, I have so much um, in my house. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to declutter the house. And yeah, sometimes well, I, got, I, I look at all the albums and CDs, I'm like, wow, I don't see, know. I sold my album collection years yeah. ago. But now so. our final's in in a big way. Yeah. If, I had, yeah. if I wanted to take the time to do it, I could sell it. I probably could make some money. If they're yeah. in good shape. They're most of them are in good shape. All right, so I'm going to name an artist and just give me like a, a quick reaction. Okay. And some of these I know for sure you like. And then other ones I just... Throw them, threw them in there. Uh, Roxy music. Uh, I just said to a friend of mine, they're probably my favorite band. Right. Oh, that was great. First four albums right. are the best. Yep. 
I got to see them once. Better than the Beatles. I have a feeling you saw them more than once. Nope, never. No? No, I used to know them. Oh, really? I worked at a pub in London wow. when I was 20, uh-huh. and the landlord of the pub had been Brian Ferry's bodyguard. Wow. So, And I had a band. I was living there illegally, mm. and he wanted to manage the band, and then I got kicked out of the country. Oh, no. <laughs> Damn. So I, I met all of them okay. back in the day. Colin Blundstone. I love him. I love the zombies. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, seen him at his City solo Winer. stuff is great. Yeah, I have I have his first two solo mm-hmm. CDs. What a voice! Yeah, yeah, love the zombie. Straubs. Uh, I like Straubs. Um, I have I probably have five Straubs CDs. Right, right. I, I I like Hero and Heroin. Right, that's a and, great uh, album. Yeah. And I like the album. I own it. It's not Ghosts. It's the other one with a song called. Uh, oh, it's Grave New World. Something disguise. I, I saw them uh, live, and I don't remember when and where because I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> I don't know how people do it, but I rem- it was like, it blew me away. They, they came back out for an encore, and they did a bluegrass set. That's what they started. As, I know, but I, is- I I hadn't known that. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. Uh, uh, a cheap trick. I cheap trick used to be like one of my favorite bands. Right. I I never listened to them anymore. No, and I love them. I right. used I probably saw. Probably saw them more than any band okay. live, just because they were always playing. Right. Or maybe Blue Oyster Cult, because <laughs> they played right. in Daytona every year. Right. Well, it sounds like Florida music. Yeah. Uh, Booker T and the MGs. Uh, like them. I have probably three or four CDs by right. them. Great rhythm. See, section. to me, that yeah, to me, they were one of the most important groups of last century. Yeah. <laughs> because they right. were on all those classic uh, soul stacks. Yeah. Uh, I can stacks name program. all the members. Right, right. <laughs> um, Sun Ra. Um, Sun Ra is one of those artists that uh, I still have friends say, I can't believe you have nothing by Sun Ra. Oh, you, and you don't? Never, and I never went to see him. Oh. Don't ask me why. Oh, okay. Not a fan or just, just didn't come I your don't way. know what he sounds like. <laughs> really? And every time I go to buy a CD... You know, there's still a Sun Ra Orchestra. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't ask me. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, this one I know is going to be your, one of your favorites. Kevin Ayers. He is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> They're re-releases... But so so he, people listening to this probably don't know who that is, so just a brief uh, Kevin Ayers was the original co-lead singer and bass player for Soft Machine, but that doesn't really no, tell no. you who he is. He, right. he was just a very smart singer-songwriter with a very singular vision mm-hmm. um, and his daughter Gallen, uh, who I, I've seen do his songs she has a new CD out uh, a duo CD with Paul oh. Simonon from The Clash wow. and it's fantastic oh, that's gotta check that out uh, Karen Dalton uh, nev- she's another person yeah. never, never listened to well I didn't until recently because she's you know, been back in the news there's a great documentary that came out yeah like 2020 maybe I don't know. I think Dylan said she was like his favorite yeah, yeah, singer. Yeah. Uh, Harry Nilsson. Uh, I used to be a big Harry Nilsson fan. Uh, I have a t-shirt, Nilsson Schnitzel. That's a great, a great record. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I listened to him. I, I'm, I'm like going to name a, sp- a particular song by a band, uh, Unguarded Moment, The Church. The Church. Right. I, I love it. I love that I, song. Except <laughs> uh, on the original album, mm-hmm. I like this song... No, not the original. The American, the first album in America, the song after that is called Too Fast for You, which I think is a better song. Oh, okay. I have to, it, I have to go fantastic. check it out. But those two songs are right. fantastic. Uh, Joe Cocker. I used to, when I was, when I was uh, 
when we moved, my father had a stroke, so I, my brother took me back to Daytona to live with my aunt and uncle until my parents could follow us. And I talked my aunt and uncle into taking me to see Mad Dogs and Englishmen in no the way. theater. You saw that? When I was 12. Wow. And I, I loved it. How, so, a movie or the actual? Movie. Oh, okay, no, not the, the actual tour. Yeah, so, yeah I, I guess you're too young for the tour. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Um, the, the, he he made songs his his own. He's the yeah. only one that can make like he made uh, Beatles a little help uh, for, uh, with for my friends a soul song. Oh yeah, it was almost better than the original. I think it is. Better okay, than the original. yeah, uh, which is hard to say about a Beatles song. Okay, uh, one more. Uh, the Flaming Groovies. But are you a teenage head Roy Loney fan or Chris Wilson Shake Some Action fan? I have to say my two. Favorite songs are Teenage Head and uh, uh, what's the other song? Slow Death. Okay. I think. So you're, you're a Roy Loney fan. I think more. <laughs> I, I saw them live right. about 10 years ago. They were fantastic. Really? Cool. With, before Roy, he rejoined them and it was Wait, before who, who, he who died. Did? Roy Loney. Roy. Oh, he did. Okay. It was fantastic. Yeah. Because that was a band that um, when they changed lead singers, they changed the sound. Yeah. Went from a, like a kind of like a Stonesy kind of band to a more pop rock kind of thing. Uh, I'm going to read something, and then we're going to wrap up. Yeah. So this is called The Boulevard. I re uh, wrote this recently. The Boulevard. I went down to the boulevard, the one I heard about in song, about they, filled with dreams and a lover who fell in their arms, and then disappeared like it never happened. The preacher who stood tall and preached like his life depended on it, to the passerbyers who had little time or interest in listening to what he was espousing. The boulevard where you can't buy hope at competing dollar stores or news at the now-shuttered newsstand with free art on its gate that was sprayed on from a can that has just become part of the landscape where cash is still king but in short supply and can be hard to walk the day on with a smile. On the boulevard I stood, looking around my surroundings in front of boarded storefronts where men on hard luck are just laying down in front with blankets and a few possessions stuffed in supermarket bags and tired commuters making their way home from a double shift, wishing they had a way out. This boulevard filled with stories, mostly hard ones that you knock around, mostly hard ones that knock you around until you're blurry. That sounds better in a rock and roll song or a movie soundtrack. Here on the boulevard, the music is the everyday noise everyone just puts up with, and there's more tragedy than a Shakespearean play. Alas, we're all actors trying hard to uplift ourselves from the grime and squalor because the boulevard isn't litting up for nobody. Thank you. Because <laughs> the boulevard is in so many classic rock songs and movies. That also reminds me, last September when I was in uh, Hollywood for the film festival, I hadn't been hanging out on Hollywood Boulevard in many years. Right. I lived there for a year. It's a frightening place. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, it, 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 and it never changes. Right. It's just this. Right. It's, it's like a world in itself. It's like dirty a, and yeah. sad and... and right. You know, and, and probably a, and excited and a little bit maybe no, or you just you, you just see the bad aspect. Maybe if you're it. young, right, right. <laughs> right. Um, so, um, what's next for you? I mean, I, I guess another film, right? Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to uh, figure out how to raise <laughs> raise the money for my day. My next film is going to be very low budget, right? Because I have a team now. Okay. Uh, so you know, we all pitch in. You know, is it written and you just need to... It's pretty much written. Right. Yeah. Do you want to I'm talk about what the quick, quick uh, synopsis uh, or... Well, it's, it's called Detective Instinct. Okay. And it's it's another black comedy All right. about uh, 
toxic masculinity. Right. Because <laughs> we forgot to say, I mean, uh, your other, uh, We Are the Apocalypse definitely has some dark humor. It's in a it. black comedy. Yeah, it really yeah, is. It's a satire. Right. Um, yeah. But um, I think with Pathos uh, and, and this uh, shorter film, Detective Instinct, is also good. I, I hope also comes with pathos. Right. You know, not just nasty. Right. Well, I hope um, you uh, succeed with further uh, success on your um, We Are the Apocalypse and that your new uh, film comes to fruition the way you want it to. And, Thank uh, you. And I hope, uh, well, I wish you great success. Uh, you've been listening to uh, Storytelling on Orchard Street and uh, I had the pleasure to talk with uh, an old acquaintance, uh, Charles William Lane, and um, find out what it takes to make a movie. Uh, thank you for stopping by. And, You're welcome. Uh, thank yeah. you for having me. Again, uh, Storytelling on Orchard Street, 180 Orchard Street, uh, the podcast studio uh, at PT Knitwear Bookstore. Um, I had a great time talking to Charles, and I hope you all enjoyed the show. <laughs>